1: Also brought to you by Life in Naples magazine. Be in the know and stay up to date by reading Life in Naples. The website is lifeinnaples.net. We have a terrific show for you today, including special guest Keith Flaw. He's the co-founder and CEO of the Florida Citizens Alliance. We'll also visit with Michael Cannon, the director of health policy studies at the Cato Institute. Seton Motley is the founder and president of Less Government. We'll be talking about Budnomics. And Bill Barnett, former mayor of Naples, always shining a light on what's happening here on the Paradise Coast. It is August the 10th and on this day in 1776, News reached London that the Americans had drafted the Declaration of Independence. Now, think about that. That was uh, back in July, on the 10th, it finally reached London. Until the Declaration of Independence formally transformed the 13 British colonies into states, both Americans and British saw the conflict centered in Massachusetts as a local uprising within the British Empire. To King, King George III, it was a colonial rebellion, and to the Americans, it was a struggle for the rights as British citizens. However, when Parliament continued to oppose any reform and remained unwilling to negotiate with the American rebels and instead hired Hessians, German mercenaries, to help the British army crush the rebellion, the Continental Congress began to pass measures abolishing British authority in the colonies. In January 1776, Thomas Paine published The Common Sense, an influential political pamphlet that convincingly argued for American independence from the British monarchy. It sold more than a half a million copies in just a few months. By the spring of 1776, support for independence had swept through the colonies. The Continental Congress again called for states to form their own governments, and a five-man committee was assigned to draft the document declaring independence from the British king. The Declaration of Independence was largely the work of Virginia Thomas Jefferson in Justifying American Independence. Jefferson drew generously from the political philosophy of John Locke, an advocate for natural rights, and from the work of other British theorists. The Declaration featured the immortal lines, We hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal, that they are endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights, and that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. And then he goes on to present a long list of grievances that provided the American rationale for the rebellion. Now, It's true that uh, uh, we did revolt against uh, British rule. However, not everybody was on board. There were still some loyalists within the colonies, and it made it difficult for uh, these few to uh, uh, continue the rebellion and the revolt against the British king. A terrific story of... uh, uh, Resolve within the American people back before they uh, got their independence. Well, Kyle, your commissioners are grappling with how to deal with a list of unfunded wants and needs for the next year. On Tuesday, county commissioners discussed unfunded requests made by the county staff totaling nearly $10.7 million ahead of September's budget hearings. Commissioners provided direction on some requests but held back on others until they could have a larger discussion as of the budget hearings where they will consider trims to cover at least some of the unfunded uh, liabilities and items. Much of the discussion between the board and the staff centered around parks, including rising uh, maintenance costs, especially for public pools, The biggest unfunded need for the list has nothing to do with parks or museums. The county needs $8.4 million for a stormwater improvement project designed to correct streets and yard flooding between US-41 and Goodlett-Frank Road from Pine Ridge Road to Cypress Woods Drive, including Creech Road. It's a joint project between the county and the city of Naples, which has received grant funding uh, from the state. So we'll see how this goes. I'm, I'm mentioning this because we were just sunsetting a one penny tax, uh, that uh, sales tax that we've had uh, for a while now to get $480 million, I think it was. We reached that early. It was supposed to be a seven-year tax. It ended a couple of years early. So uh, I'm wondering, are they going to impose another tax to raise this money? I would certainly hope not. I'm sure there's plenty of fat to trim in the Collier County budget. Well, Florida Governor Ron DeSantis on Wednesday suspended Soros back Monique Worrell, the state attorney for Florida's Ninth Judicial Circuit, accusing her of under-prosecuting criminals in her jurisdiction. She's a Democrat elected official who took office in 2021 and has been clearly and fundamentally derelict in her duties, the Republican governor claimed at a press conference in Tallahassee. In 2022, DeSantis also suspended State Attorney Andrew Warren on the 13th Judicial Circuit for failing to prosecute certain crimes and vowing not to enforce laws related to restrictions on abortion and sex change operations for children. <clears throat> uh, State Attorney War- uh, Warrell, by the way, has declared her intention to seek re-election in the 2024 at a press conference on Wednesday. So we'll see how this turns out the, uh, judici- the uh, judicial... The uh, courts upheld uh, the firing of uh, Andrew Warren, and uh, he's no longer a judicial circuit. He's no longer a, 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 a attorney uh, for the state, a state attorney. But uh, Morell, well, let's see how the Morell. Let's see how this turns out. Uh, hopefully, the the uh, courts will uphold this one as well. It's great to have uh, laws on the books that allows the governor governor. To uh, require enforcement of the law, unlike some of the other Soros-backed attorneys that are around the United States that are creating havoc, and uh, for the lack of enforcement of the law. Well, the remarkable Mega Millions jackpot streak has finally concluded after 31 consecutive drawings without a major win. A fortunate ticket holder in Florida will kick off the summer of 2023 with an extraordinary mega jackpot, currently estimated at $1.58 billion. That's $783.3 million in cash. In the August drawing, a single ticket sold to the state matching all six numbers. How about that? Isn't that amazing? So we go back to the beginning again, but uh, certainly in terms of physical goods and uh, comfort, Somebody's life here in Florida just got a lot better. Well, Senator Dianne Feinstein's office released this statement. Senator Feinstein briefly went to the hospital yesterday afternoon as a precaution. After a minor fall in her home, all of her scans were clear and she returned home. The 90-year-old senator has struggled with health issues over the last year. She was absent from the Senate for nearly three months earlier this year, dealing with shingles, uh, Ramsey-Hunt syndrome, I'm not sure what that is, and encephalitis. So our thoughts were with Diane Feinstein. It's, she's 90 years old and she's demonstrating clearly Alzheimer's or, or, uh, signs of Alzheimer's. She should uh, resign. The uh, governor of, of uh, California says, well, if she does, she's, he's going to appoint a black person uh, uh, to the Senate uh, to complete her term. Again, uh, more <clears throat> uh, identity politics. And well, what a shame. Wegovi, yesterday the drug makers said the weight loss injection can cut risks of heart attacks, strokes, and cardiovascular deaths by 20%. This study is uh, the first to show that obesity drugs uh, can uh, bring heart health to those who, do not, have di- who do, have, do not have diabetes. It's also another spike of popularity in a drug that skyrocketed after others like Ozempic were used off-label for weight loss. So uh, this is kind of interesting. Uh, Will Medicare, Medicaid, will they cover some of these costs? I don't believe they do right now, but uh, even if you're not trying to lose weight, uh, if you can prevent heart attacks and cardiovascular problems by 20%, that's pretty darn amazing. Well, former President Donald Trump leads President Joe Biden in a hypothetical 2024 rematch that, according to a recent survey, Trump earned the support of 42% of registered voters in the latest premise survey, posting a 4-point lead over Joe Biden's 38% support against Florida Republican Governor Ron DeSantis, Biden claimed a modest 2-point lead, edging out GOP's second-place candidate by 36 to 34%. The survey conducted August the 2nd through the 7th follows Special Counsel Jack Smith's indictment of Trump on charges related to his efforts to challenge the 2020 presidential election results. The former president stands at the runway as a, the runaway favorite, I should say, <clears throat> to win the uh, Republican nomination. However, with 54% of registered voters backing him compared to 18% who preferred DeSantis, no other Republican has earned double-digit support so far in the polls. So it looks like uh, President Trump, and by the way, there have been reports that he's running out of money. Well, that's not true. Uh, w- we're hearing now that uh, his coffers are full, and mainly from Small donations coming from the public, not from major donors who will have who would have influence on his point of view, unlike other candidates. <clears throat> well, this is a tragic story. A Utah man was fatally shot during an early morning FBI raid on Wednesday, as confirmed by the FBI and ABC News. The raid was conducted as part of the investigation into an alleged threats alleged threats to. Uh, against President Joe Biden and other individuals, according to information provided by two officials. One of the officials informed ABC News that the investigation had commenced in April when the U.S. Secret Service, being informed uh, by the FBI in June, apart from posting threats online, the individual under scrutiny had indicated plans for taking physical action, the official stated the threats were assessed as being quote-unquote credible. The FBI's Salt Lake City Division reported that the shooting took place at approximately 6.15 a.m. local time when special agents were attempting to execute an arrest and search warrants at the residence in Provo, Utah. Now, this guy is uh, 75 years old. There's no question what he said and what he was threatening is uh, certainly credible. But he's 75 years old, uses uses a cane to get around. Do they really need to shoot him? Do they need to kill him? I mean, it's just uh, incredible that it would come to this. Irrespective, he's dead now, so there is no more credible threat, at least coming from him. Well, yesterday, at least 36 people were killed in wildfires in Maui. If you've ever been to Maui, it's one of the most beautiful places on Earth. Since Tuesday, flames have uh, torn through the island's historic town of Lahaina and destroyed hundreds of businesses and homes. Dozens of people are injured and hundreds of others have been had to evacuate. Some people threw themselves into the ocean to escape the blazes. Hurricane Dora has made the rescue situation much more difficult by knocking out power and forcing firefighting helicopters to the ground. Uh, some people haven't been able to reach 911 uh, because the uh, cell towers have con- come down. Uh, Some jumped in the ocean just to try and avoid the flames. What a terrible fire. Apparently, winds of over 70 miles an hour uh, fanning the flames of of this thing. So what an unfortunate thing. Lahaina is such a beautiful little town. It used to be the kingdom, uh, the capital of the kingdom of Hawaii before it became a state. Uh, Now, uh, it's it's pretty much at ashes. So sad. Well, the non-profit Native American Guardians Association, or NAGA, has threatened the newly named Washington Commanders with a boycott similar to that of Bud Light's parent company, Anheuser-Busch, unless the American football team reverts to its historic name, the Washington Redskins. This just makes me smile And I'm reading this. Uh, should we need to encourage a, a national boycott similar to what happened with the Anheuser-Busch when it was uh, now down $27 billion, not, not one brick thrown, not one highway blocked on what bridge burned. We will do just that, said the uh, NAGA, the Native American Guardians Association. This is so, uh, you may recall that during all this woke nonsense was everybody's changing their names away from the Cleveland Indians and the uh, Washington Redskins and so forth. Did anybody bother to check with American Indians to see how they felt about it? It doesn't appear to be the case that they did, which is so unfortunate. This segment of the show brought to you by the good folks at Johnson's Air Conditioning, Naples' longest-established air conditioning company. I hope you visit the website, johnsonsairconditioning.com. Also brought to you by Life in Naples magazine. Be in the know and stay up to date. By reading Life in Naples, the website is lifeinnaples.net. Coming up, we're going to be visiting uh, with Keith Law, co-founder of the Florida Citizens Alliance. That and more right here on The Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. at Lulubees.com and stop by Lulubees Diner, open from 8 a.m. until 2 p.m. seven days a week. Lulubees Diner in the Green Tree Shopping Center at the corner of Immokalee and Airport Pulling Roads. Stop by Lulubees Diner for fabulous food and for a forever cool rockin' good time. or call the Collier Senior Center at 239-252-4541. That's
0: 252-4541. Welcome back to the Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harton
1: Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. We're providing you a news and commentary rooted in the commitment to individual liberty, personal responsibility, limited government, and the rule of law. Coming up, we're going to be visiting with Michael Cannon, Director of Health Policy Studies at the Cato Institute. Right now, we have with us Keith Law. He's a co-founder and CEO of a terrific organization. It's called the Florida Citizens Alliance. Keith, thank you so much for joining us here on the show. Good morning, Bob. Good morning, Keith. Tell us about the Florida Citizens Alliance.
4: Uh, The Florida Citizens Alliance is a uh, grassroots uh, coalition of uh, now over 200 and almost 260,000 people in Florida, two-thirds of which are parents. And uh, we focus on K-12 education exclusively. Uh, We fight for parents' rights. Uh, We fight um, to uh, get the government out of uh, the indoctrination business. Um, To us, that means... uh, you know, getting getting rid of uh, things like critical race theory uh, and uh, the indoctrination pornography that's in our schools
1: and school choice, I would imagine as well.
4: Absolutely, yeah.
1: So, Keith, uh, GoFLCA is the website. I hope uh, I'm a founding member of the organization about 11 years ago. We got together, and uh, Keith and uh, Pastor Rick have done a terrific job of providing leadership and getting traction in Tallahassee with all the players that uh, make a difference with regard to public edu- education. So, I hope you check out the website, GoFLCA.com. Keith, uh, there's uh, this issue called social emotional learning. Is that an issue? Is that a concern for the Florida Citizens Alliance? Uh,
4: Absolutely. In fact, it's one of our top priorities this year. Um, And from a legislative point of view, we'd like to see the legislature define it uh, in law and then prohibit it. Um, it, But it's a uh, a really deep subject, Bob. And in uh, the few minutes we have, uh, we can only scratch the surface. But I think it's really important for uh, your listeners to start to become aware of what it is mm-hmm. and why it needs to be uh, prohibited. So I'd like to take a stab at that.
1: Uh, please do, uh, Keith. <laughs> yeah. um, it, it has evolved
4: into um, one of the spokes uh, of critical race theory. And so I ask your, your uh, listeners to envision a, a wheel with a lot of spokes off of it. Mm-hmm. And those spokes include uh, diversity, equity, inclusion, uh, critical race theory, uh, it, the, the race side of critical race theory, uh, it includes uh, gender dysphoria. And and one of those spokes is social-emotional learning. I'm going to give you two definitions, uh, the left's definition and then how we define it, or would like to see it defined. Um, the left defines it as a world in which you envision all children and adults as self-aware, caring, responsible, Lifelong learners who together achieve their goals and create a more inclusive, just world promoting diversity, equity, and inclusion. Uh, those are, uh, that's a mouthful. It is. But uh, the left has grabbed a hold of this and they're using it to promote, um, uh, promote this whole concept of social-emotional learning. Uh, so let me, as an alternative, let me, let me try to define it from a Florida Citizens Alliance point of view. Good, and I'll, I'll make it really simple. It teaches our kids, starting in kindergarten, that there are no absolute truths. Facts don't matter, and only your personal feelings matter. Mm-hmm. That's that's what it really is is about. And so, uh, if you if you're teaching kids that there are no uh, no absolute truths. There's no right or wrong. It, it attacks the fundamental roots of, of, of family values.
1: How very Marxist.
4: It it, it it clearly is. And it's uh, literally been developed and, and, and taken over. But it's, it's a complicated subject because um, if you look at uh, how it really got its roots here in Florida uh, in, a, in a pervasive way, uh, let's go back to the Parkland uh, incident, the shooting. Uh, when that happened, um, it was during session. Uh, uh, actually, under Governor Scott's uh, regime, uh, they threw a half billion dollars at at that, and within that half billion dollars, fifty million of it was designated to uh, to fund school districts to teach mental health. Ah.
1: Okay. You know, Keith, I uh, must say, I, I'd like to just insert at this point, it, a lot of this sounds like emotional intelligence, which I certainly support, but it, then it, it, like a boxcar or a, a, on a train, it, it includes this uh, uh, inclusion, the uh, equity and all the nonsense the, that the left supports. So I mean I think there are aspects of this, of this whole thing that it would help kids to learn to be mo- more emotionally aware. On one hand, on the other hand, let's face it. I mean facts matter. <laughs> you you have to kids have to learn uh, things in school for classical education, and that seems to take things off uh, veer off the tracks.
4: Well, uh, you know I would argue that, and I, I guess I would ask a question uh, of, of your audience. Do you really want the government? I'm going to say this again. Do you really want the government teaching your kids uh, character, um, m- mental health, or do you want them teaching them the basic, fa- uh, you know, uh, maybe sound like an old conjure, but you know, reading that, ra- reading, writing, and arithmetic? Yeah. Uh, well, clearly right? the latter,
1: Keith. I mean, you're 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 absolutely right. And any time that uh, you but teachers begin to share their personal lives and all this nonsense has no place in the classroom. Let's just take care of the fundamental learning of, after all, our kids can't even read at grade level for crying out loud. So let's take care of the fundamentals.
4: Well, and, and it gets a little bit more complicated. And I t- said at the beginning is we can only scratch the surface in this, but uh, Casey DeSantis, uh, the first lady uh, got involved early on uh, and, uh, she, and it, well-meaning uh, she got involved in this whole mental health and, and working with the Department of Education, the State Board of Education. They created a, what they call um, resiliency standards, which plays right. It, as it turns out, ends up playing right into what the left. The left has grabbed a hold of this, and so what 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 they now require is every school district. Um, every school in the school district across the state has to teach five hours, uh, five hours of mental health uh. education, and and then that opens up with fifty million dollars out there floating around. That brings in companies um, that that are promoting uh, their version of of of, of uh, you know uh, uh, of social emotional learning, and so it has become um, literally uh, one of those spokes of the wheel that I, that I describe as critical rate theory, as I said, uh, it was almost mission impossible to, to do this in a few minutes, but I think people need to start to uh, understand what social emotional learning is, how it is evolved. And, 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 and then uh, parents need to stand up. Um, by the way, any parent who finds social emotional learning in their school, in their school, uh, and objects to it is, is intimidating. Uh, can apply for the Hope Scholarship, uh, and, uh, get an $8,000 voucher to go to a private school. Yeah. So, um, you know, it, it's it, uh, just something that I think, um, your listeners need to become more aware of. And as we get involved with the legislature, our challenge is going to be, uh, because it, it started out as, is, you know, uh, with some merit.
1: Absolutely. I mean, when you hear somebody say, "Yeah, uh, we want to teach kids to be be resilient," who can object to that? But if if, right. if it becomes a candy coated way to, to slip in Marxist kinds of concepts and to to uh, reduce the importance of family and so forth, it's that's a real problem. So. Right. Keith, I just really appreciate uh, your efforts on our behalf here in Florida in terms of improving public education. Uh, Again, our listeners, it's a terrific organization. I hope you go to the website, GoFLCA. And right now, the uh, Florida Citizens Alliance is in a campaign to raise a quarter of a million dollars. You can certainly be helpful with that. Any amount that you can invest and part with to help the Florida Citizens Alliance would be greatly appreciated. Keith, really appreciate your commentary. Thanks so much for joining us. Thank you, Bob. Have a great rest of your week. You as well. Thank you, Keith. All right, coming up, <clears throat> Michael Cannon, Director of Health Policy Studies at the Cato Institute. That and more right here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network.
0: Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network.
1: Shore Playhouse is passionately committed to enriching our cultural landscape by producing professional theater to the highest artistic standards and providing unique educational opportunities to folks in a spirit of service, adventure, and excitement. Gulf Shore Playhouse has expanded immensely, outgrowing its current facilities, with dreams of expanding even further in order to better serve the community, broaden the economic impact, and strengthen the cultural fabric of our region. Gulf Shore Playhouse is building a 44,000-square-foot state-of-the-art theater and education center on three acres at the corner of 1st Avenue South and Goodland Frank Road. To find out more about Gulf Shore Playhouse, the state-of-the-art performing arts center, and about this season's exciting productions, Visit gulfshoreplayhouse.org. That's Playhouse.org. We'll see you at the show.
0: Welcome back to the Bob Harton Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harton.
1: Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. I just want to remind you that uh, Bees Diner serves a great breakfast and lunch. At the uh, Green Tree Shopping Center, now serving dinner Wednesday through Saturday, 4 to 8 p.m. The menu's terrific. The value is great. It's informal. So enjoy Lullaby's Diner in the Green Tree Shopping Center, Wednesday through Saturday, 4 to 8 p.m. We have with us Michael Cannon. He is Director of Health Policy Studies at the Cato Institute. Michael, thank you so much for joining us. Great to be back, Bob. Thank you, Michael. Tell us about the Cato Institute.
2: We are a libertarian think tank in Washington, D.C. We bring to public policy the the traditional American ideals of individual liberty, limited government, free markets, and peace.
1: Terrific organization. Cato.org is the website, C-A-T-O.org. You know, Michael, early in the show I was talking to our listeners about the uh, Wegovy, I think it's called, uh, the new drug that's come out. It's for uh, weight loss. But apparently, uh, it's been proven now to have a, uh, well, I forget what they call it, a side, it, it's a, uh, a one-off type of drug that really supports people with regard to health or heart disease. What are your thoughts about that?
2: Right. So this company, drug company, Novo Nordisk, developed this uh, drug called semaglutide, and they sell it as two different uh, <laughs> medications. One is Ozempic and the other is Wegovy. Now, the FDA... It does, it does a number of things. The FDA approved Ozempic to control blood sugar among diabetics. Uh-huh. Uh, that's one of the effects of this drug. It stimulates the pancreas to create more insulin, and st- so that helps to regulate blood sugar. But Wegovy, the same drug but in a higher dose, uh, the company got the FDA to approve that drug for weight loss. Because uh, somaglutide also encourages uh, hormones that uh, it regulates your uh, digestive system. It encourages hormones that tell your brain, hey, I'm not hungry anymore. Stop eating. And it slows down digestion and that sort of thing. And we've talked about this before how uh, that drug has reduced weight in people who take it by 15% over yeah. two years. Now, you put the weight back on if you stop taking the drug, uh, and it's and it's very expensive. It can cost about sixteen thousand dollars per year. But uh, these are really dramatic uh, re- reductions in weight loss that we're talking about, and blood pressure control—or I'm sorry, blood sugar control. Yeah. And 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 the most recent bit of news about Wegovy is that Novo Nordisk announced, really, in a press release, uh, that. A study of 18,000 patients, following them for up to five years, found that not not only did it have those benefits we've already discussed, but that this drug reduced deaths from uh, uh, from uh, adverse cardiac events like stroke and heart attack by 20%. Yeah, that is huge if true, because as I said, this is a press release. This wasn't a peer reviewed study. Uh, they they haven't subjected their results to scrutiny. They haven't even been specific about where those uh, mortality reductions came. Was it heart attacks? Was it strokes? But if that holds up, that is a wonderful yeah. advance. And and th- there's going to be a lot of pressure for insurance companies to cover that drug, including the Medicare program. Uh, and we can talk more about that. But my answer to that is the same as as for every other drug. No. It, 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 even if this is a wonder drug, Medicare should not be covering it.
1: Why and why? Why do you take that position?
2: Because Medicare is no good at making these decisions. Medicare is going to cover lots of drugs, even if they're not wonder drugs, because it's such a ham-handed, uh, uh, a ham-handed government bureaucracy yeah. that it is so captured by the by the industry. But even more important than that. It's wrong to force people to pay for this drug for themselves or for other people. Novo Nordisk should have to sell insurance companies on the idea of covering the drug itself. And insurance companies should have to sell themselves to enrollees by saying, hey, we cover this drug that could reduce your uh, risk of uh, death from cardiac events by 20%. And there's a lot of people who are not going to want to buy coverage for that. Yeah. Who, who don't want to spend their money on reducing their risk by that much. They want to spend their money on other things. And you know what? It's their life and their money, and they should get to make that decision themselves rather than have Medicare force that decision on them. All right.
1: So, so Michael, just so I can understand here, are you suggesting Medicare Medicaid should not cover the drug, but it would be a, a competitive advantage for insurance companies to cover it?
2: If it is such a wonder drug, then you won't have to force people to buy it. Yeah. And as we've talked before, the Medicare program shouldn't be buying drugs at all. If, there, if, if the program exists at all, it sh- should be in the form of a Social Security-like program that just gives the seniors cash and trusts them to make these decisions themselves. Because Social Security doesn't tell you what to buy. It doesn't impose its values uh, on you in terms of buy this product versus that product. Right. It trusts seniors to make those decisions. The Medicare program should do the same.
1: Interesting. Well, I, you know. Well, of course, that's that is a, a point of view that affects. It's it's universal, and I think it's a it's a good one. Uh, but uh, we're certainly a long way away from that.
2: It's not universal when it comes to Novo Nordisk and other drug companies that want Medicare to cover their product, right? Because they know they will make much higher profits when their customers are spending other people's money than when their customers are spending their own money.
1: Yeah, that, you know what? And that is a principle that that it affects. Education, it affects uh, medicine, it healthcare, everything. Anytime there's a third party payer, it drives costs up.
2: And and even though this is a a legitimate function of government, it also affects the military. We get a lot more. We probably get a lot more military spending than is optimal, precisely because we're spending the government is spending other people's money.
1: It certainly makes sense. Well, I really appreciate your shedding light on these important issues, Michael. And again, uh, for our listeners' benefit, I'd just encourage you to go to the website Cato.org. Michael Cannon, just to do a a search on Michael Cannon, you'll find many of his uh, columns there that are so interesting. Michael Cannon, again, from the Cato Institute. Michael, really appreciate your commentary here on the show. Thank you so much for joining us. Always a pleasure, Bob. Take care. You as well. Thank you. All right, coming up, we're going to be visiting with Seaton Motley. He's the founder and president of Less Government. Uh, We're going to be talking about bionomics, that and more, right here on the Bob Harden Show, on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network.
0: Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show, here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. back to the Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host,
1: Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by Golf Shore Playhouse, changing lives through exceptional theater experiences and making some great productions. Now you can get tickets and find out more by visiting the website golfshoreplayhouse.org. We have with us Seton Motley. He's the founder and president of Less Government. Seton, thank you so much for joining us.
5: Thank
1: you very much, sir. How are you? I'm um, well, Seaton. I hope you are.
5: Yes, sir.
1: So, Seton, uh, tell us about less government. Yeah, we go a the coping
5: of influence, the government, and D.C.
1: doesn't. I know. It's a, it's a big fight, but I'm glad you're in it and uh, representing our point of view. You wrote a column, Bidenomics, Reuters pretends big banks no longer want to make money. <laughs> Maybe you could tell us about it.
5: Yeah, you know... I read this article and it just—it's just, left out at me, man. You know, I—I I used to work at Media Research Center, which is a joint in DC, that, and I got the job because I was making fun of the Texas Press Corps when I lived in Austin before I moved back to DC. And it's just, you know, I read these things with a jaundiced eye. I used to do a daily clips and commentary where I would just take the headlines and make fun of them every morning. Mm. And when I was way back when I was in Austin. But anyway, it just this article was so obviously biased. Um, what they were talking about is the, the lending to what, who they call consumers, which of course is regular people, um, has dropped dramatically over the last three months uh, plus. And the way Reuters framed the article was, well, the banks have decided to make less loans. And I said, why on earth? That's how they make money. That's one of the main ways they make money. Why on earth? And what, of course, Reuters is doing is recovering for the fact that Bidenomics, which they, you know, Biden initially bristled at, but now he accepts. Bidenomics, um, the massive inflation, the dwindling economy, and, of course, the high interest rates all combined to make it very unattractive and nigh impossible for the average person to go and get a loan but the article doesn't say that the article says the banks had unilaterally decided to loan less and I said in the article even if part of even if that is partly true that also speaks to the fact that the economy is terrible yeah Because the banks don't have any confidence in the economy, so they don't want to lend into it.
1: Well, see, that's the point. It's not
5: at all mentioned in the article that poor people can't afford loans anymore because of the terrible economy. Um, Oh, and by the way, after I wrote the article yesterday, you know, I subject myself to CNBC every morning. (laughs) And idiot Andrew Ross Sorkin, they did an entire segment on how the American people are carrying more credit card debt than they ever have before in history. And literally three minutes later, they do a segment with somebody from the Biden team, and Sorkin starts the segment with, I think the economy is pretty good. I don't know why more people aren't going to vote for Biden. Next.
1: Yeah. <laughs> this is, you know, the, th- the fact of the matter is uh, when when a confluence of events like inflation and uh, a number of factors come together, people just have less money to service the loans that they're taking out. I mean, it, it makes sense for, for uh, banks to be just a little bit more... Uh, uh, judicious,
5: judicious, and
1: and how they're lending exactly right, but unfortunately, I think the point of your column is, but it's affecting people who need the loans the most.
5: Right. Well, yeah, and 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 just to write an article about it and not at any point mention as a factor people being unable to afford the loans right. is absurd. Right. That's just uh, to, the entire article is framed as well. The banks are lending less and. And, you know, they're trying to hide the fact that the economy is terrible. And, you know, I, I, it's just when you when you carry credit card debt, it's because you're buying groceries and you're buying, you're, you know, paying rent on your car. Right. Which is a, is is a very short term uh, necessity due to bad economic conditions. And um, I almost use my uh, picture for the article. I saw somebody on Facebook had gone to a restaurant and their breakfast was $40 for eggs. Wow. And for two people. Two two, two people were at the breakfast. Their breakfast was $40. And then on top of that, the restaurant added a 5% food food inflation line
1: item.
5: (laughs) they they, They didn't want to adjust their menu prices. It's a smart thing. I, I, that's how I would do it. Where I'm running a restaurant, they just keep their menu items the same and say, "And this is how much we have to tack on because inflation's gone up." So it's it's obvious that you know you, I just Andrew Ross Sorkin is completely self unself aware. I mean, within three minutes to do a segment on the most credit card debt in history, and they go, "Well, I think the economy's great." Yeah. Really? Then why are the credit card debt genius?
1: Yeah, well, um, not, not only is the credit... We've gone over a trillion dollars in credit card debt. But the uh, uh, default rate is higher now. We're beginning to see 5 or 6 or 7% of people who just aren't even paying their bills on their credit cards. Now, what's driving this? People aren't becoming dishonest. They're The, the problem is the people are living hand-to-mouth right now, and many people just are using their credit cards to survive. They get to, to the,
5: end of the month, and they can't pay the minimum even. Exactly, yeah.
1: exactly. Yeah, so and,
5: and 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 this is a, this is their definition of a good economy.
1: Well, and and the and
5: again, if it's that bad, <clears throat> how does Reuters not mention that that part of the problem at all in the article? Well, here's like, the thing, funny. but you know,
1: it, sum and substance this all defines Bidenomics, doesn't it? I mean, the fact of the matter is, he's created a tr- a firestorm of uh, financial problems for the public, including it uh, all driven by. Uh, uh, alternative energy and trying to get rid of uh, our energy.
5: I mean, you can't. You can't. You know, like you said, it's 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 a bunch of things. It's Stupid fake energy. They're wasting trillions of dollars on. Right. Uh, it even comes down to the border invasion, yeah. which is driving down wages even further. Right. I mean, the wages are de- are de- are flatlined and down anyway. And when you've got ten thousand people to hire rather than a thousand, that you can charge. You can pay less. Um, it's the border, it's the, it's the energy policy, it's, you, know, cause, you know, gas has gone through the roof, and that makes everything more expensive. It's just, it's a harmonic. It, it, it's, it's inten- well, we know it's intentional now, I mean, it's been outed, but, you know, back when we didn't know for certain it was intentional, you, you just stare at it and go, how could anyone be this incompetent? And of course, Biden is this incompetent, but his, his team is not. This is intentional. They're very effective at what they want to accomplish.
1: Right, and they basically are working to change us into a socialist, communist uh, country, and trying to d- yeah. diminish the importance they of to the tear family. Tear it
5: down before they can build it back up to their utopia.
1: Exactly right. Again, Seaton Motley, the founder and president of Less Government, I encourage you to visit lessgovernment.org, lessgovernment.org, and uh, take a look at uh, Seton's columns. They're all very entertaining and very uh, informative. Uh, oh, you can also visit Less Government on Facebook. Seaton, always appreciate your commentary here on the show. Thank you so much for joining us.
5: Thank you, sir.
1: My pleasure, indeed. All right, coming up, we're going to be visiting with Bill Barnett, former mayor of Naples. We're going to do that and more right here on The Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network.
0: Stay tuned for more of The Bob Harden Show Welcome back to the Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harden.
1: Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you part by the Foundation for Government Accountability. They get the politics and know the policy. They help prepare elected officials to have winning strategies so important in uh, the legislature. You can find out more by visiting the website, thefga.org. We have with us the former mayor of Naples, Bill Barnett. Bill, thank you so much for joining us here on the show.
3: Bob, thank you so much for inviting me. I wouldn't have anything to do if it wasn't for your show. You know that.
1: I just know that's not true, <laughs> Bill. <laughs> but <laughs> anyhow, I'm just so pleased. Hey, so, um, you know, last week you announced that you're thinking about running for uh, the uh, <laughs> running <laughs> as uh, a member of the r- running for uh, city council. Uh, any thoughts? Any additional thoughts on that?
3: No, I, I won't have any additional thoughts on that for for at least a month, uh, maybe more, you know, it's, it's a, um, it's just something holding back. I, I think that there are, you know, we're looking for some, um, some good young candidates to go in with a few, uh, that are going to run. I mean, Gary, uh, Gary price, um, you know, will run and will announce uh, probably late September, but, um, uh, and, and he's, um, he's got a, a, a few that are, are considering it and um, you don't want to say anything too early because then if it doesn't happen, you, you know, Yeah. so I'm, I'm just sitting back and kind of watching, uh, had, you know, a lot of, a lot of people have asked me and, you know, I give them, I, I'm not brushing anybody off, but on the other hand, I'm not really giving anybody a heck of a lot of encouragement either. You know what I mean? It's one of those things where you say, you know, I love doing it. It, uh, it was great. Um, I, I just, um, and the age doesn't have any bearing on me. <laughs> well, I mean, hey, Bill,
1: you're young at heart. I mean, you're... Uh, yeah. You're, you've well, you got your faculties. I mean, you make good decisions. You've got the wisdom of your experience over the years. So I think you'd be a great city councilman.
3: Well, thanks, Bob. So we'll, we'll keep you in the loop. I promise you, you're... Uh, you're uh, uh, you're my number one news correspondent okay thank you bill oh so, yeah never say never bob you know what i mean right
1: absolutely so any um, good any good scoop in the city
3: yeah and, and a little bit from the county also um uh for the city you know you i don't know if you saw that the uh, 465 fifth avenue south was sold the hoffman bought it the yeah the uh, phil mccabe building yeah i i uh david hoffman is uh still on a roll and when you look at what they have acquired mm. their companies i mean it's it's amazing it's amazing it is amazing um, and he's got a reason for doing it anyway they're still high on naples which is a good thing and um they they seem to be um i mean they seem to do well so uh, you you can't fault success can you
1: no and and i'll also uh, credit the hoffmans with uh, whatever they buy it usually results in some improvements and some, in other words, it's, it's a, it's a compliment to the city. It's not, it never uh, is something that you say, I wish that hadn't happened.
3: Right. Right. Exactly. And at the beginning, Bob, when they were buying these things, you know, there was a lot of, uh, there was a lot of that, like, Oh my gosh, you know, they're taking over Naples and some of the smart asses that, uh, um, you know, he's turning it in. He made a remark one day about Disney world or whatever it is. And it was, you know, so far off base it was unbelievable and those that didn't know him uh, at the time said oh my gosh Hoffman's going to turn Naples into a Disney world we don't want that and you know all that kind of stuff but now I think people understand this guy's uh the real deal and he doesn't just just buy in Naples spot things all over the country so I think it'll be a good a good deal for both he and of course Phil McCabe, who's done so much for for the city uh phil's basically retired his son joe's taken over and uh um you know phil gets a lot of credit yeah. for having that vision with uh well with with the, the late jack Cantoramian and fred possesskin and some of the ones that that really saw you know what was what could be and what would be so i think that was great yeah you, yeah, you know I, I, of, actually you i
1: uh Served as board chairman for Gulf Shore Playhouse for 15 years. Very proud of it, what we were accomplished in that period of time. Mm -hmm. I just want to credit Phil McCabe with being an early supporter, financial supporter, getting in there in terms of when we started the whole project to build the beautiful 44,000 square foot performing arts center in downtown Naples. Phil was an early supporter and just really appreciate him and his vision for the city of Naples.
3: Yeah, yeah, I mean, um, and and it's true. He's another one that... An, an unsung hero, let's put it that way. He's taken a lot of hits. You know, I mean, people, Low and McCabe doing this and that. And the same thing with Hoffman. But he definitely is an unsung hero, no doubt about that.
5: Yeah.
3: And then uh, before you boot me off the air, I see that the uh, county um, uh, has a few budget problems that they need to uh, work out. Um, they're about $10.5 million um uh, uh, in unfunded, um, uh, requests that they can't seem to fill. And they had this meeting the other day and, uh, uh, they're going, they, they didn't want to really discuss it and they will come back at the budget hearing next month and, and work on them. But, you know, it includes special events, staff training, parks, maintenance, uh, and, uh, a lot of events that, that people love, you know, the, uh, the biggest one was the stormwater improvement, um, They're about 8.4 million dollars short, and that's a, that's a joint project with the city of Naples. They'll figure it out, no doubt about it, but that's one we've been working with them on, and, uh, uh, it's a good project. So I, I think they'll, they'll figure it out, uh, usually do, but, you know, um, they got lots of things going on, Bob. I don't know. (laughs)
1: <laughs> yeah, but they, the other thing I'm watching carefully is the fact that, that they've now raised enough money through that special tax assessment that you went know, on was good for seven years. Well, they, they uh, raised the $480 million, I, I guess, early, a couple of years early. So I'm wondering if they don't want to revive that idea for another year or two.
3: They, that might be a great idea, and I'm sure they'll be thinking about that and talking about it at the uh, uh, in, in September. Just something to watch, that's all. Um, cause they're, they're not like, I mean, they're like everybody else. We all are looking for ways to keep some of the things that we love and that have been going on in the city and County for years and years. And all of a sudden you start getting down to small dollar, you know, dollar events and you're thinking, well, geez, we, we, you know, ones you just don't want to cut, you yeah. know what I mean? And so you, you, you look for the money from somewhere, uh, and it's out there. But I don't like to hear it say, well, it's going to come from raised taxes. Uh, Exactly,
1: Bill. I mean, the the fact of the matter is uh, that we've got inflation. It's going to affect everything that we do and buy. And it's certainly going to affect local government as well. The the issue, though, for me is that uh, I'd much rather see them cut some costs rather than increase the taxes.
3: Yeah, yeah, I I agree. Um, I I definitely agree with that. So anyway... uh, well, that's about all I have for you today, Bob.
1: Well, I think that's all I've got too, Bills. <laughs> just really appreciate your commentary here in the show. Thank you so much My for joining
3: pleasure. us. My okay. Have a good one,
1: Bob. You as, you as well. Thank you so much. Well, that's a wrap here on today's show. I hope you enjoyed it. Well, we've got a fire alarm going off here in the building, so I'm going to have to vacate here. <laughs> so interesting. I hope you join us tomorrow. We've got some great guests. Uh, William Yateman, he is a senior legal fellow with the Pacific Legal Foundation. Uh, Dr. Marlene Wuss-Smith, is a pediatrician uh, talking to us about the healthcare care costs. Larry Bell, a endowed professor at the University of Houston in space architecture, will be joining us as well. Always appreciate your comments on the show. You can send me an email at bobharden at hotmail.com, bobharden at hotmail.com. Also, if you enjoy the show, tell your friends. That's one of the ways that we support our advertisers so we can't do the show without them. And by the way, I just appreciate your support. been doing the show now for 12 years on the Internet and uh, can't do it without you either. I hope you make it a great day on the Paradise Coast or wherever you are. Namaste.
0: Thanks so much for listening to The Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network.